Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! This is Losing Money with Andrew Bascom, a podcast where we gamble on everything and anything. And on this episode, we are talking about the NBA playoffs and the UFC fight night. I'm your host, Andrew Bascom. Let's lose some money. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Welcome to another episode of Losing Money with Andrew Bascom, the 167th episode. We have so much to discuss, like the NBA playoffs and the many ways to lose money on it. And don't you think I forgot about the UFC? I did not forget about the UFC. But before we lose money on this episode, let's recap the ways we lost money last week. Well, last week was the only episode we uh, actually got technically out, was the Masters episode. And baby, oh baby, we won more money. I can't believe the kind of streak we are on in 2023. This is not only the uh, picks we give on the episode, which the ones you're listening to right now, as I speak to you into your beautiful, sweet ears, is also the ones we give out on social media, at Losing Money WIB, on Twitter, on Instagram. We are up over 50 units already. We we are clearing, if every bet was 10 bucks, we're clearing over 500 bucks at this point. It has been an unbelievable year, and the Masters was uh, no different. We had Charlie Chalk on to make some picks. And uh, and my picks really paid off. I had John Rom. I had the winner plus nine hundred. So that's really easy to win money, you know. Especially uh, uh, plus nine hundred. You know, not the greatest odds, but I will say when you get the winner, it's really hard to lose money. I would say we had three other picks. They didn't win. Obviously, there's only one winner. Rom was the winner, and that was me. I was the winner as well. Uh, Cantley lost at plus eighteen hundred. Uh, Sanjay M at plus thirty five hundred also lost. And Shane Lowry, hey, valiant effort, but you also lost plus six thousand. And then we had two winners as well from the uh, the top top groupings here. Jordan Spieth plus three fifty for a top five, that's a win. Tony Fino lost for a plus two hundred top ten, no no dice. Siwoo Kim top thirty plus one fifty, that's a win. Tiger Woods he didn't finish, so top forty no dice. And Justin Rose for the first round lead was a no winner. Even though we went three and six, it's not about the record, it's about the money. We were plus eight point five units. Another just great, wonderful episode. Oh God. The other thing I want to talk about is UFC two eighty seven. Uh, we didn't get to a chance to put out an episode, which trust me, pains me just as much as it pains you, my sweet losers. But, uh, just, it was a scheduling error that we just couldn't get things out. But obviously we made picks. We made picks over at social media. So don't worry. You saw some picks there for that one, but I do want to make some comments on it just because we talk about the UFC all the time here and it's been such a profitable thing for us. Uh, I will say it was a very profitable night up until the main event. So let's start with the main events a little bit. Uh, Izzy had that bow and arrow ready, didn't he? Israel Asanya faced uh, Alex Pareda. Uh, as I'm learning a lot more about the Brazilian language, excuse me, Brazilian language, Brazilian people and the Portuguese language, uh, that R's are D's. That's exciting. That's learning something new all the time. But like I said, Izzy had that bow and arrow ready. He was ready to absolutely put him, put him to bed, put Pareda to bed. And, you know, good for him. I will say, like, there's a couple things around it that is a little confusing. He came out there and said he was playing possum. Panetta, I think, was up on the books no matter what you look at here. I think he was going to be winning that fight. Uh, if that had continued that way, Izzy, I think, was going to need a stoppage pretty soon if they got into the fourth round looking the way it was going to. And he got it, you know, but he claimed that the strategy was to play possum a little bit. Well, the possum that he was playing was getting punched and walking backwards. Getting punched, kick to the leg, kick to the leg, getting punched. And I will say like, yeah, that's a that's a good enough strategy to say out loud now because you won. But I just don't know if that technically should have been the strategy that you should have been going with. And I would I would suggest uh, not using that strategy in the future. Yes, you won. And those two strikes uh, to the temples coming off the cage. Beautiful stuff, like really, really good stuff. Then he proceeds to mock a child. Um, 
which I, I guess, hey, I will say there is something very, very funny. So Izzy uh, did a kind of fall down gesture because Alex Pereira's child did that to him uh, in one of their first fights uh, when they were tied kickboxing. N nothing is funnier to me than a grown adult having a feud with a child. <laughs> Like having an earnest, genuine feud where he sees that child, he goes, I'm going to get that child so good. I'm going to burn him so good. He has, he has no idea what's coming. I'm going to knock out his dad and then mock him mercilessly in front of millions of people. Uh, so good for Izzy and suck it, child. Too bad, baby. Uh, you know, I, I, Pereira's moving up to 205. That's that's good for the division. I think that's good for everybody. We get to see more fights. Uh, 205's a little light right now. So I think Pereira moving up there. He's, he's also a little bit older than everyone. He got to MMA very late. So he needs to get moving here a little bit. But I fear, a little, I fear that without a natural rival like Izzy, uh, the Pereira show kind of slows down a little bit because it's also rock, paper, scissors, you know, m like much like a lot of MMA is, you know, just because you fight really well against this guy means you might lose really well next to the next guy or win. You know, it just it's there's no consistency. So I would say that Pereira, he's not a wrestler and he, the way he fights is like fighting a broomstick. It's like standing up so straight that if he has fights anyone that can has remote wrestling skills, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. So. As much, I don't want to say, like, you're never going to see him again, but I don't know if this is going to be like, yeah, immediately fights for the title, three fights in uh, at 205. But, you know, good for him. Hopefully see something. And Izzy, he's one of the best. He's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. So good for him and good victory. The other the other fight, the co-main event, uh, it was Gilbert Burns really just kind of kicking the crap out of Jorge Masvidal. Who saw that coming? Oh, everybody? Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Uh, you know, Jorge Masvidal retires after the end of the fight. Uh, also, something he predicted, something he kind of teased uh, before the fight, which you really, you really got to feel good about the prospects of that fighter when he's like, well, I don't know if I lose, I might retire. And you're like, so you think you're going to lose, right? Okay. Well, that's, that's a, maybe I'm not going to bet on you then. I, I will say there was a guy very drunkenly at a bar that I, I could hear him go like, Masvidal is plus 800 by TKO. Pfft, like they're giving you money. And I was like, I immediately like tried to call, <laughs> call my bookie and go like, Hey, my mortgage payment. Can I bet on Gilbert Burns for this one, please? Um, Ultimately, that's what happened. Jorge Masvidal for his last fight. Here are the things I'm going to remember. Coming out to a Scarface theme, which, once again, everybody, every athlete that loves Scarface, no one's seen the second half of the movie. Like, I, I okay, all right, that, that's totally fine. Um, you know, I'm always going to remember his famous last words. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, you know, that's that's just, what an icon. Uh, absolutely. Those are the famous last words of an, a truly iconic fighter. Uh, you know, he was talking about retiring before the fight. I, I get that. You know, he's got the game, game bread boxing promotion, his own boxing promotion. So as much as, uh, if you're a huge Jorge Masvidal fan, I'm sure you're very upset with me, but is that I, he probably won't stay retired for very long because you know what a really good promotion is? Ah, we've got this incredible UFC fighter that's coming out of retirement for this boxing promotion. So you might see Jorge Masvidal in his own, uh, game bread boxing promotion. Uh, you know, he's been life has been tough on him. I, I totally get that. Whether he deserved it or not, he deserves a ton of credit for everything he's gone through and continuing to succeed. So good for him. The only thing is, I do want to touch on the Let's Go Brandon thing, an expression that I continue to not understand and I refuse to look it up, uh, is that the politics and sports thing. I just, 
UFC is such a such a horrible thing. Donald Trump sitting uh, sitting courtside or courtside sitting ringside uh, at a table with uh, Kid Rock, uh, Donald Trump, Mike Tyson, and Dana White. Which I guess the only admittance there was you had to do some kind of sex crime and then you could sit at that table. Uh, is that they always claim to say that they are kind of like above politics. That's why the UFC works because we don't we don't drag politics into there. <laughs> Even though they had Donald Trump sitting ringside. You, here's a here's a direct quote. Here's a direct quote from Dana White. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear your opinions are who you're voting for or what you're doing. They want to get away from everything in your life and they want to focus on two to three to four hours, however the long sport is that you turned it on. That was Dana White on Sean Hannity, amazingly enough, in April 2021. The thing is, he doesn't want to keep politics out of sports. He just wants to keep the wrong politics out of sports. He just wants to keep politics he disagrees with out of sports. You know, I just, I just, every time Dana White talks about boxing, it talks about like the, the, the reverence for Muhammad Ali and you're like, my God, if Muhammad Ali was around right now, you'd hate Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, you'd be like, ugh, st- stop complaining, just fight, you know? So I just, I always get a little, my back up a little bit every time that they always talk about this. And uh, But yes, Jorge Masvidal, let's go, Brandon. Congratulations on a very confusing career. Uh, we've got, we've got tons of picks. We've got, I gotta, I gotta stop here. We got a ton, a tons of picks and we got to get to this. The first bet, the first section we're going to be doing is the NBA playoffs. We're going to be taking a bet on every series that is set right now. And then in the second bet, in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about a UFC fight night with a really, really good main event. I feel like I'm on repeat right now. Also with everything I just said about the UFC and I'm just slagging on it left and right, we are making a ton of money in the UFC. So what am I supposed to do? Kill the golden goose? To what? Stuff it and put it on my wall? No, it needs to keep producing eggs. Sweet, sweet golden eggs, which I, I'm sure has some kind of like money conversion relevancy in some you know capacity in this economy. So yes, UFC is going to be the second half uh, of the episode. But until then, let's get to the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs are here. Okay, so just to start here, we're going to make a bet for every series that is set right now. So that means the remaining playoff games, play-in games that are happening on Friday night, we're not, we're not going to be talking about them. But to be honest, they're only setting the one versus eight series in both the East and West. And usually those are sweeps or gentleman sweeps, uh, which are games that result in five games. That's I like that. I like that term. So I'm going to use gentleman sweep as much as possible. Um, so we're dodging that bullet like Neo because in the famous words of Chris Pratt, here we go. Let's talk about uh, number three, Philadelphia 76ers versus the number six, Brooklyn Nets. We're going to be taking under four and a half games. We are not giving the Brooklyn Nets much of a chance in this series. The 76ers like, should make quick work of the Brooklyn Nets, a team that literally will have no answer for Joel Embiid, the probable MVP of the league, despite the rise of Nick's Cl- Nick Laxton. The, the 76ers are just better. Mikhail Bridges may bother James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. However, Embiid will dominate this matchup. He's averaged 31.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, and 2.5 assists in two games games head-to-head against Nick Claxton. This type of physicality over the course of the series will weigh heavily on Claxton, who's not a big guy, and I expect him to potentially improve as the series goes on. We're going to take the under four and a half games at plus 290. Now, because we're generous, we actually have a second bet for this series. We're going to be taking Spencer Dinwiddie to be the series leader in total assists at plus 250. Now, why in the world would we take Spencer Dinwiddie, a team that we just said the Brooklyn Nets are not very good and they have no chance in the series, and yeah, 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 that's, that's all true. And on the other side is James Harden, who is going to feed the big man Joel Embiid, uh, the person that we think is going to be really successful. Well, this is really a matchup between James Harden and Spencer Dinwiddie, and it's mispriced. Harden led the league in assists with 10.7 this season, right? However, since March 5th, Dinwiddie has averaged 10.2 assists across 19 games in 35.7 minutes. Dinwiddie's role is clear. He's the primary facilitator in the Nets, and at this price at 250, it implies that Dinwiddie would only have to lead the series in assists like 28.5% of the time, if I'm doing the math right, which I am because I'm a genius. 
This should totally be closer to even, despite Harden's you know pedigree. Due to Dinwiddie's spike in assists since joining the Brooklyn Nets, we're going to be taking him. Total assists, plus 250, as a little bit of a dodge here. Uh, next series, number four, Cleveland Cavaliers versus number five, New York Knicks. This is the series, one of the two series, excuse me, that I am most excited for. Uh, we are going to be taking the Cavaliers minus one and a half series line at plus 105. Okay, this play is on a few factors here. One more analytical and one a little bit less. Let's, so let's do the less first. The bet has to be a value on the Cavaliers minus one and a half, and it means they have to do some work on the road. They can't just win each home game en route to a series victory because that would be a seven game uh, serious victory. What am I explaining sports to you here? The Knicks have had a long and amazing home crowd. They are just incredible at MSG, but it's not necessarily one that translates to victories. <laughs> oh, that's the meanest thing I've ever written. You know, I just, I, I really relate to MSG. I, I get, I love that their fans are so compassionate. I love that they're so passionate and they're so into the Knicks. But the Knicks have sucked forever, right? They haven't had a good team since the 70s. Yeah, I mean, they made it to the finals, but on that strike-shortened season in the in the 90s, I just, I don't really get it. This happens to be a part because opposing superstars tend to enjoy the bright lights of Madison Square Garden, you know, even more than their hometown players. Donovan Mitchell has that written all over him. So in a series where I favor Cleveland, and more on that in a second, I'm not worried about them having to win on the road. In fact, I'm kind of leaning into it. It's kind of like when the Toronto Maple Leafs always play a goaltender and that goaltender has the best uh, night of their life. It's because every game for the Knicks, for the Leafs, for, for the Dallas Cowboys is national television. The more analytical lean to this bet is that the Cavs defense is very, very legit. Maybe Jalen Brunson will absolutely go wild with the float game and maybe RJ Barrett or Julius Randle can cook for a game or two in the mid-range, but the far more likely outcome is that they get locked up by an elite Cavs defense that moves on to the second round with relative ease. We're going to be taking the Cavs minus one and a half in the series line plus 105. The next series that I am also just as excited for is the number three Sacramento Kings like the Bean Baby versus number six Golden State Warriors. We have a couple of bets here. So we have three bets. So I'm going to get them one at a time. The first one I'm going to start with exact games in the series six at a plus 185. Usually six games, especially when you get to the middle section, like a three versus six, is the most popular outcome because it catches the most uh, amount of variables. You know, arguably, this is the most exciting first round series. And it features the Kings and the Warriors who were first and second in scoring this season. They averaged 234.25 points per game in their four meetings as the Warriors were three and one in the series and are minus 290 favorites to advance to the second round. But here's the other side. The Warriors were 11 and 30 on the road, which was the fourth worst record away from home in the league. <laughs> Let me, I'll, I'll, you don't have to ask the question. Yes, the other three teams that are below them didn't make the playoffs. As bad as the Warriors were on the road, they were great at home with a record of 33 and 8. However, given the Warriors' road struggles, winning the series over the Kings in six games, 4 to 2, feels like the optimal outcome, where the series ending in six games is the favorite but the plus 185 odds are still very juicy. The second pick we're going to be making is the Kings plus 1.5 series in the spread. Now, both of these could hit at the same time, but they almost cover each other a little bit. The Warriors deserve plenty of love for maintaining a position in the Western Conference this season, but it's shocking to me that the respect that they still get for this road record. Do you know they're fourth highest in the league right now to win the championship at plus 950? You know who's behind them? The number one seed in their own division, the Denver Nuggets, at, at plus 1100. That's nuts. So the Warriors were a horrendous 11 and 30 straight up in the road games, like we talked about. But to their credit, they still went 33 and 8 uh, straight up in home games. But that's about as far as the praise it stops because I'm lighting the beam. I'm taking the Kings plus one and a half games in the series at a spread of plus 135. Let's keep the series close. 
The last one we're going to be talking about is kind of a combination of the two of them. And this is at plus 210. It's the Kings to win game one and the Warriors to win the series. And it's a parlay. Both of those things have to happen. Okay, the atmosphere in, in, in Golden One Arena, which I just learned was uh, Sacramento's arena, will be electric on Saturday. And I like the Kings to use that energy to outpace the Warriors. Uh, what will likely be a track meet? I think the Kings are just going to come out firing. This is Sacramento has not had a long history of, uh, of success in, in modern basketball history. And the Warriors have nothing to play for. They are the, they're the modern dynasty and they have, they're doing incredible. The Kings are going to come out there and run them off the floor. But then what will happen is the Kings don't have experience. They'll get nervous and the Warriors will go like, okay, we can just go back and win this game. Plus 210, I think makes a ton of sense for Kings game one and Warriors to win the series parlay. Okay, so I love that series. That That is one of my two favorite ones. Let's get to one I just, I don't know. I, it should be exciting. It should be so exciting. But I guess I dread it already. The number two Memphis Grizzlies versus the number seven Los Angeles Lakers. We're doing the same kind of parlay thing here a little bit. Grizzlies win game one. Lakers win the series, and this is a plus 300. The Memphis crowd has really shown up this season, and they're the only professional team in Memphis, so that makes sense. The Grizzlies get a benefit of a dedicated home base that shows up for home games with intensity. The Grizzlies have wined and dined on that intensity all season and boasting the best home record in the league, 35-6 and straight up and 23-17-1 against the spread. The Lakers own the season record of 2-1 and straight up and against the spread, but wins and covers have only come at home for both teams, and the one home win for the Grizzlies came without LeBron. I expect Memphis to get the game one win, sure, and the oddsmakers do too. They're three and a half point favorites right now, but the Lakers are four and two straight up as road dogs since the trade deadline, and as the more experienced team, I expect them to get at least one win in Memphis, just not opening night. So, Grizzlies won game one, Lakers win the series, plus 300. Okay, two more series left. The number two Boston Celtics versus the number seven Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. This could be essentially a 1-8 matchup for all I care about. I don't give Atlanta much chance in this one. So we're going to be taking the Celtics series line of minus two and a half. Oh, such the disrespect. It's a minus 142. They're pricing out of the market. The Celtics caught a huge break when Atlanta beat Miami in the play end. And I expect the Celtics to make quick work of the Hawks. The numbers just don't add up for Atlanta. Even one of Atlanta's biggest strengths, its offensive rebounding that's so dominated against Miami should be muted against the number one defensive rebounding team. Boston can handle this offense. The Celtics should score at ease. They're putting up 129 offensive rating in the two meaningful games against Atlanta this season. Whew. Given everything Atlanta has gone through this season, I have a nibble at the Celtics sweep at plus 280 um, and I expect Boston to go up 2-0 at home easy. And if they win game three and the Hawks roll over and go one, two, three Cancun for game four, the price sweep at plus 180, this will be a quick series. Celtics minus two and a half series line, minus 140 or better. And the last series we're going to be talking about is the number four Phoenix Suns versus the number five Los Angeles Clippers. So much star power on both sides, but it is kind of a muted series. We're going to be taking under five and a half games, minus 110 for a little bit of a gentleman's sweep. The Clippers will more than likely be without their second best player, Paul George, in this series. Now, they have an unenviable task of going up against the Phoenix Suns with a big three of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. The, there is a reason the Suns are favored to come out of the West, to advance to the NBA Finals. The Suns are undefeated with Kevin Durant in the, in the lineup at 8-0. The Clippers won't have an option to double-team either Booker or Durant in the series, and I believe the Suns will find a lot of success to the offensive end, and I'm just not so sure the Clippers will be able to keep up. Furthermore, I question who will consistently step up for the Clippers in providing scoring support for Kawhi Leonard. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the Suns are going to roll. So under five and a half games, minus 110. Okay, those are all the picks we're making for round one of the NBA. Stay tuned for bet number two and the UFC fight night. 
Anytime Max Holloway enters the octagon, it's a certified banger in his upcoming bout versus Arnold Allen, 19-1, 10-0 in the UFC. It promises to be no exception. The five-round bout between two featherweight contenders takes place April 15th at UFC Kansas City. Prelim bouts begin around 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the main card starts around 9.30. Holloway is currently a favorite at minus 155. Myself and tons of MMA fans have been dying for this fight to happen. The winner likely slots himself in for the next title fight after Volkanovski Rodriguez to unify the belt at uh, 290. And Allen and Holloway are just both savages. They're just incredible strikers, meaning significant strikes will decide the winner after what I believe will be a 25-minute fight. Holloway's combos will be fast, they're silky smooth, and likely more creative than whatever Allen counters with. Also, you know, don't forget, Holloway does loudly proclaim to be the best boxer in MMA, and you know, honestly, he does kind of have an opinion. He, does, he has a point there. Max could swarm Allen and take the W, right? Although there's a small part of me that's concerned about Max's health. He's a future Hall of Famer, he, but the damage he's absorbed in his young MMA career is bound to catch up with him eventually. He's only human. Think Tony Ferguson and how quickly he fell off. He couldn't be hurt, and all of a sudden now, he could barely string together a fight. I'm not saying Holloway is there yet, but another loss or two could tilt his career in the wrong direction. It's like Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen a few weeks ago when we made that pick. This fight will be a five-round war, and albeit, I think Holloway wins. His value at minus 155 is hard to deny, and I don't think Max is ready to accept life as a gatekeeper yet. He still has a title run in him, and a win over Allen will keep that incredibly relevant. In terms of betting, this one goes the distance, and that's why I like Holloway. As I said, that experience will loom large. Allen will fight for the title soon. It's just, just not yet. We're going to take Holloway to win, minus 155, the fight to go the distance at minus 120, and we're going to take a sprinkle on Holloway by decision at plus 175. Next up, we got Featherweights, Edison Barbosa, and Billy Corantillo. Will they square, square off as the co-main events in this UFC Kansas City event? Corantillo is a minus 158 favorite right now, and the veteran Barbosa is a plus 152. Billy Q! Ooh, oh, is he Q? Should we listen to him? He might be. Billy Q is every MMA's fan's dream. He loves to trade. He's never out of the fight, and he induces tons of violence when he steps into the octagon. The 34-year-old fights a lot like Justin Gaethje in the way that he throws uppercuts and gets close, like really without fear. Corintillo fights like he has the world's best health insurance. And I just want to make it clear, he does not because he's part of the UFC. He doesn't have any health insurance, to be honest. And that gives him the edge over the less active Barbosa. The American is insane in volume and damn, it's like he takes so much damage. And that's where my doubt creeps in as Barbosa, even in his old age, can crack with the best, especially when Billy overswings on punches, which he just, he does. He gets really overzealous. I can't shake the Gaethje comparison. And in most fights, Gaethje is the better fighter, right? But he rarely fights smarter. And that's the same as Corintillo. I know, my, I know in my bones, Billy Q is better than Barbosa. Absolutely, no problem at all. But I'm counting on the American punching his way into trouble. As such, I'm backing the dog. We're going to take Barbosa and an inside the distance finish. Barbosa to win, plus 152. The fight ends inside the distance, minus 130. And a sprinkle on Barbosa inside the distance, plus 400. Also, Barbosa, the best part of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, minus 1,000. Let's go to a recap. Okay, this is a lot. Let's do it. 76ers Nets. We're going to take under four and a half games at plus 290 and Spencer Dinwiddie to be the series leader in total assists plus 250. Cavs Knicks. We're taking Cavs minus one and a half plus 105. 
Kings Warriors, we're taking Kings plus one and a half, plus 135, and the Kings to win game one and the Warriors to win the series, parlay, at plus 210. Grizzlies Lakers, we're taking Grizzlies to win game one, Lakers to win the series, at plus 300, and the exact games in the series to be six, plus 185, and the series win, ultimately, the Grizzlies, minus 120. We're taking the Celtics. Hawks, Celtics minus two and a half in a very uninteresting series at minus 140. Suns Clippers, under five and a half games, minus 110. We're taking Max Holloway to win, minus 155, the fight to go the distance at minus 120, and a sprinkle on Holloway by decision, plus 175. We're taking General Barbosa, the famous pirate, plus 152, the fight to end inside the distance at minus 130, and a sprinkle on Barbosa inside the distance, plus 400. That is a lot of ways to lose money. Holy smokes. Subscribe to Losing Money with Andrew Baskin wherever you enjoy podcasts, and please give a subscribe and a like to add Losing Money WIB on either Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok where we make free daily bets. We'll be back next week to lose even more money. Have fun losing money, and we'll see you later, losers. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!